Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of those guys. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Ben, are we doing are we doing silly opens from now on? <laughs> Deep Man, I'm I'm fucking loopy right now. Oh yeah, why? I was I, I was on a trip where I was I think ten no yeah ten hours time difference mm. and that was I got back on that's almost uh, one whole flippity flap yeah I got back on Monday and I'm uh, and and we are recording this on Friday and I am still not right that's how it is right when you go to a far off place the lag I mean that's what the kids call it yeah when you that get, lag though when you get to the new place uh, the lag's not thick at all. Because you're in a new place and that's a distraction. But when you get home, yeah, back to the familiar, that's when that lag thick. That lag is really thick, man. I I think it's somewhat directional for me. Also, mm-hmm. I think traveling west fucks me up a lot more than traveling east. Is that how it's supposed to go? I don't know. Because I went to Japan one time from New York, and that was also a really massive time difference. And uh. And I was miserable the entire time I was there because I <laughs> just wanted to sleep during the day and I laid in bed looking at the ceiling all night. Miserable in Japan. Yeah. The Benjamin R. Harrison story. Yeah. Well, I, I marketed a very successful t-shirt to that effect. Right. <laughs> but man, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m. every day. This is now. This is cut to now. This is you? 4 a.m. Yeah. wake-ups? 4 a.m. wake-ups. Wow. Getting... Not enough sleep. Yeah, you're it's one of bad. you're one of those guys that needs ten to twelve. You're. Uh, I'm like a cat, you know. Yeah. Most of my time, I spend sleeping. You're far friendlier than a cat, Ben. You're not a cat because you care about human contact. I will not tolerate slurs against one of the great types of animals, Adam. Yeah, the cat would be your animal, wouldn't it? It is. I love a cat. Cats are fine. So you're a week back and you're still not right. What do you think it's going to take? Just time and tide? Yeah, I think so. I I don't know, man. I'm Are you brute forcing yourself into staying up as late as you can or are you going to bed early? I'd say like the first night I was back, I managed to stay up to like 8:30 and then I crashed and I slept for 11 hours. Like I I slept a ton that night. And then Every night since, I've been making it to like 9.45, 10, 10.30, but I'm still waking up super early, mm. and I just feel off. I'm I'm surprised on a couple of levels. I'm surprised that, that the lag still has its claws in you. I'm also surprised that you're not telling me all about Africa. Oh, yeah. It's, it's your favorite subject. What? Why don't you tell me and our, and our friends in the listening audience uh, what that was like? And gets the call very late at night His wife hears only whispers of some quiet conversation He's coming in 1230 flight Status upgrade into a lay flat seat for sleep salvation 
He clears customs with a carnet Hoping to film some fun exotic worlds Or eat the rawest meat He returns and cannot wait to say Boy oh boy I've got stories for you It doesn't take a lot to get me telling you There's nothing Ben would love more than to tell you Ben's gonna talk about Africa It's gonna take some time to tell you things you never I detect I detect some like weird resentment in the way you brought that up. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just interpret it as jealousy. Sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, a dear friend of mine got married in Kenya, and I went to the wedding. Pretty great. Yeah, it was in a, a beautiful beach, a little bit south of Mombasa, and I got to ride a camel. Wow! It was a hoot. It was it was just the greatest. Was the camel the person who brought the rings up? <laughs> uh, well, the camel participated in one of they they got married like twice, two days in a row. They did a traditional Somali ceremony the first day, and then the next day they did like a a more Western style wedding. But for the Somali ceremony, they like came in on camelback. Wow, the, the bride and groom. Is it hard so, to get up and down from one of those? It feels like it's too tall. It's really tall. But like you need a rope ladder or something. Th- they like get down on the ground for you. Oh, that's right. They kneel. They kneel like one of those kneeling buses. Yeah, but it's nuts because they get up with their back legs first. So they, they like pitch forward and you're like 45 degrees forward. And then, and then they stand up on their front legs. Like if a kneeling bus could shoot explosive diarrhea and spit at you and bite that's <laughs> yeah. what a camel is yeah exactly wow so uh and they're yeah, fast it, too right like don't they run super fast there's camel races and stuff there are camel races uh the camel ride uh was arranged by my friend's sister she, she was like i know that a lot of people are going to want to go on these camels so she just told the camel guy to come back with the camels like the day after uh-huh. the, the wedding, and uh, hey, we're gonna want to see those camels again, guy. Yeah, come on yeah. back. <laughs> so uh, I, I took like a twenty-minute walk down the beach ride on the camel. What did it smell like? Camels are smelly. Yeah. Did you smell afterwards? No, because I was on like a I was on like a blanket. Was he friendly? No. Uh, yeah, seeing the camel was crazy. <laughs> so was... you did not try to pet him or or, or like uh, form you know, a bond. Like, when I was up on him, I would like I was like petting his neck and and giving him pats and stuff. <laughs> You're a good boy. I, he seemed pretty indifferent to that. He was mostly angry at the other camels and uh, and starting trying to start shit with them. Wow. Uh, and I I was you know I felt like. There was a non-zero risk, but I didn't know how to assess how big a risk that he was going to like fully get in a camel fight while I was on his back. Yeah, and you're sort of playing that out in your mind, right? Like, what are you going to yeah. do? Am I going to have to stab this camel while while yeah, sitting on him? If I have to hop off the camel, it's like a nine-foot drop to the ground. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you could have Christopher Reeved yourself. I could have. Fortunately, it's sand, so probably like a little bit forgiving, but... Still wow. a potential like 
trip to a hospital in a developing country, which is not necessarily the ideal. What you like to avoid, if possible. Yeah. Did you yeah. eat any uh, any raw meat products? I know that's your way. <laughs> eat the most dangerous thing in any developing country. What'd you What'd you eat and drink? Usually, the the most dangerous thing to eat in a developing country is raw veg, right. because it it's often washed with the local water. Yeah. And uh, and you just don't have gut immunities toward the you know, like I I got I got sick the first week I was in Ireland just because like the bugs are a little different, you know. Did you get the thing you got in Mexico? I did not. I, uh, oh, that's good. You you avoided alcohol poisoning? Ill. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> that's good. Oh, you know what? Uh, serious and sincere question. Was there a strange and exotic liquor that you can only get there that you had looked forward to having again? Like, as a as a famous cocktail man, yeah. uh, I imagine it's it's fairly exotic and fun that way. There is not. I mean, there's like a there's like a a rum that's only available in Kenya, I think. But also, there's a uh, you can get like Cuban rum. Yeah, there. yeah. So, I drank quite a bit of Havana Club while I was there, and uh, one one beverage that I'm quite fond of that's available in Kenya is called Stony Tango Easy. <laughs> And uh, it's a it's a ginger ale, but it's like super duper gingery. Yeah, it, like I would compare it to a uh, Bundaberg ginger beer kind of yeah kind of deal. A, a ginger and, beer uh, with pulp, basically. Yeah, it's a very popular soda, from what I can tell. Like every every place you go has it. So I was getting Stony and Havana <laughs> uh, as a mixer, and uh, it was real nice. That's fun. I mean, it was kind of it was funny because. A big part of the ceremony was a fairly traditional Muslim affair, and there were a lot of members of the family that do partake in alcohol, but many that don't and are and do some policing of that type of behavior among their family members. Oh yeah, so, the fun relatives, you mean? Yeah, so, so that you know, you had to be a little bit a little bit discreet about your alcohol consumption, which was kind of a kind of a fun. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think anybody cared about me drinking, but um, but I was trying to be respectful sure. to to all the people that were there, and uh, in being respectful, like that's why a mixed drink was was good because to to all appearances, I was just drinking a glass of Stony Tango Easy on ice. You're you know? just a man walking around with a paper bag in his hand. <laughs> no one's the wiser. Exactly. Tell you one thing, Ben. I think uh, I think two weddings back to back is risky. I'd never want to give my wife an opportunity to say no twice. <laughs> like you get it done on the first night and then you're locked in. Yeah. I mean, and not just your wife, right? Like there's also the opportunity for somebody present to voice an objection. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you were you obligated to give two gifts? Is that how that works? <laughs> that seems like actually a nifty bit of hustle bustle there. The only uh, wedding gifts they were accepting were donations in their name to a a charitable cause. So hey, that's nice. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. If you don't need a, a set of plates and a and a KitchenAid mixer, I would say uh, direct those funds toward uh, toward people who really do need it. Toward the plateless. Yeah, that's a good policy. We're all old enough to have our own plates. Fortunate yep. enough to do so. Well, uh, Ben, we are fortunate enough to have a great big episode of Deep Space Nine to discuss. What do you say 
we wander on over to that. It's Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 12, The Begoten. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Odo has a backache, Adam. Good morning, Constable. He does, and it raises a lot of questions, I think. Bashir seems to be treating his presence at the infirmary with a fair amount of incredulity, as though this is a fairly common occurrence. But my question for you is, was the body that was made for Odo by the founders a perfect body, or are his injuries due to Odo's inexperience in using it? Yeah, well, I mean, some of the dialogue maybe shed some light on that because Bashir says that he's been walking around too erect and that that's uh, what owes to his backache. He, uh, he's not used to having a spinal column, so his very stiff way of uh, being in the world is is causing him this back pain. And I kind of thought Bashir was going to you know, prescribe some medical THC or something, and we were going to get chill Odo for the rest of the episode. Yeah. I mean, we do, just not because of that. (laughs) Walking around with a spinal cord when you're not used to having one has got to feel like walking around with a butt plug, right? Just a really (laughs) big butt plug that goes all the way to the neck. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it really does. That, That backbone does not have a flared base. No. I think this has been a gripe that we've had uh, ever since we knew Odo inhabited a corporeal body. Like These are problems that have been inferred, but not directly confronted. And yeah. given that this is the episode that, that is like our last time to ask and answer questions like that, it, like whenever Whoa, stuff like what? whenever stuff like this comes up in this episode, it makes me feel like, oh man, shit. Like, we're never yeah. going to know. We're never going to know what it was like. It would have been great to see him, like, taking his first poop. Yeah. Uh, Court comes in, and, you know, there's a bunch of problems with this. Like, I think maybe conducting commerce while somebody is in the middle of a of an examination at the, at the doctor's office yeah. is a bit uncouth. Also, selling a baby. <laughs> Odo's like, that looks like a bottle of aftershock. There's no way that's a changeling. (laughs) And Odo is like, oh, it'll change you. Enough of that aftershock will change anyone forever. You ever have aftershock, Ben? The the high school liqueur with the the sugar crystals at the bottom? I'm Googling it. I've never heard of this product. This in high school was the beverage of choice. This is this at the in its day. What the fuck high school did you go to? Jesus. This is like the stupid high schooler order from an older person at a liquor store, right? Like you don't know what you're getting. Just get me something wow. red and sweet or blue and sweet. Like aftershock came in a variety of colors. But it all Ugh. tasted bad. And what made Aftershock unique was that it had sugar crystals at the bottom. It looked like a little mountain range, and the and the and the bottle was frosted. It's like uh, it's it was as popular then as as Fireball is today, and I think it's about the same flavor, which is to say, bad. Oh man, <laughs> it is not good. This is so foul looking. Yeah, consider yourself lucky you you never lived through the Aftershock years. 
I didn't drink at all in high school, so that's probably why. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you lucked out by by skipping that and saving it <laughs> for college. College drinking. I mean, if uh, allow me to to share some so, some fatherly advice to our younger viewers. <laughs> I think it's okay to save the drinking until college because if you're getting your booze from someone, I think a college-age person will know more what to get for you than a high schooler with an older brother who's an idiot who who might get you Aftershock or Yukon Jack or some shit that I had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. that's going to give you just a rager of a hangover. You need a liquor Sherpa and the best ones are in college. That's what I think. <laughs> college and older. Yeah. I mean, they get better and better. <laughs> By design, they have to. (laughs) There's nothing worse than the high school liquor buy. Yeah. Uh, So this is a baby changeling that uh, that Quark has humanoid trafficked. Mm -hmm. And uh, Odo uh, purchases it, and then they start to... You know, see what's wrong with it because it's uh, it initially they interpret it as maybe being dead, but uh, but but those are just sugar crystals. <laughs> the doctor determines that it's it's in fact just like badly irradiated. The backstory to these things are incredible, right? The founders shot a bunch of these babies into the universe, and their idea was to just see how different species in the universe. Uh, treats a weak and vulnerable little baby Odo. That's why Odo didn't didn't know anything about them growing up. These people that are up on their high horse about we've never killed anybody. Yeah, are 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 like genociding are... their own people. They're like taking <laughs> scoopfuls out of the Golden Lake, putting it into one of those like tube things you find at a bank, and then just shooting it into the universe <laughs> to see what happens. It's insane. And now listen, I know that we have a a long-standing track record of 100% murder-free. <laughs> but what what I am proposing is that we shoot thousands and thousands of helpless infants, yeah. our own helpless infants, into the cosmos just to see what happens. It's a real pro-life argument, Ben. <laughs> this, oh. this entire plan assumes that the parents won't eventually return to pick up their kids, right? And at yeah. no point is that even close to mentioned here. And that was immediately where my mind went was like, oh my yeah, God, this security is... should be extremely tight, right? They're, they feel a sense of security about uh, about the baby itself, but not about who might be coming to come get it. Yeah. And we know that there have been infiltrators and right. and, and that like their, their secrets are not always safe. Yeah. All of those concerns are dismissed throughout the episode. Like everyone's yeah. idea about putting up a force field or locking it down or posting a security guy nearby. Like Odo just sort of uh, dismisses it's it. It's a baby. Yeah. Leave it alone. What's it going to do? Kill everyone on the station? <laughs> <laughs> this thing is like drinking glass size at this point. Right. And Bashir manages to purge it of Tetrion radiation. And it goes from blue to gold. And the idea is that Odo is going to try to raise it for his own. And Cisco suggests, like, maybe get Dr. Mora, the scientist with the same haircut as you from Bajor, to come up and uh, help you out with it, change the dieties and whatnot. And uh, Odo rejects this because we know that he uh, hates Dr. Mora's guts, despite the fact that they had a pretty cathartic uh, coming together the last time we saw Dr. Mora. Yeah, that whole sitch was forgotten. 
There's still some yeah. bad feelings between them. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like they were heading in a really positive direction last time. Yeah. This really resets them. This little changeling really changes Odo. We see parts of Odo's personality we've never seen before. There's a great amount of care and attention and affection he gives to this thing. I'm not going to make the same mistakes that were made with me. It's affection that is born out of a sense of duty, almost. Like, he has a a long monologue that is pretty touchingly delivered uh, to this glass of gold goo, where he's basically saying, like, I'm not going to be my father. Yeah. That's and, really it, isn't it? It's it's the new parents going, I'm not going to be like my parents with I'm, this one. I'm not going to make the mistakes that they made. Yeah. And uh, making the case that he has a real axe to grind here. Uh, supporting Odo's argument is the pan flute music of the wisdom of ancient civilizations that plays in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know it's true. Yeah. I guess at this point, Voyager is probably going, right? So they, they've really yeah, like, they, they've got like a pan flute guy on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. They've got uh, they've got 200 tracks of four pay pan flute audio <laughs> at their disposal. <laughs> the B story this episode is, uh, is the birth of the O'Brien child by way yeah. of Kira. Yeah. And uh, this is like a deep B, I would say. Yeah. They don't. They really don't burn a lot of screen time on this, but... A, a B that's almost as deep as the V's. <laughs> right? Man. I don't know if you're talking about shirts or pussy. <laughs> See, I'm just leaving it up to the imagination. It can, it can be whatever you want. For Bajoran women, giving birth is all about being relaxed. Anyways, the uh, the... The way Bajoran women give birth is uh, is by chilling the fuck out. So, so somebody's going to get super chill in this episode, just not Odo. You're not bearing down. It's the opposite of bearing down, right? Yeah. There's no ice chips to chew on. Yeah, it's bliss out, baby. It's like it's like jello. Yeah. And apparently the most relaxing uh, soundscape that can be provided is like a couple of maracas and a and a gong yeah. being played rhythmically by the people present what you want to do is raid the uh children's hand percussion trunk in their music class <laughs> distribute all of those instruments to uh, the people in the room and then really go to town uh the people present are miles and keiko a bajoran doula she's a bedula right yeah i'd say so <laughs> Um, the doctor kind of comes in and out. He's uh, making the case that he's got a lot of stuff on his plate. He's he's a busy man, but uh, he'll brush back if uh, if it looks like it's going. But he's gonna let them uh, do their thing, and uh, they're doing their best to get her chilled out. But uh, she is a bit agitated because the most calming, uh, dare I say, boring character in the show has not showed up yet. <laughs> I called him almost six hours ago. It takes half that time to make the trip from Bajor. He's really crucial for this birth, I think. Without Shakar, nobody can get bored enough to deliver a baby. <laughs> I mean, outside of Worf, I mean, I guess we're talking about tertiary characters here. I can't think of another character that has been so ruined by this show. 
Like <laughs> Shakar was a fucking war hero, and now he is a total snooze. Yeah, very milk toast leader of Bajor. Yeah, Shakar doesn't seem to want anything. I think that's the problem. That's it exactly. He doesn't want anything. He doesn't really miss Kira. He doesn't feel concerned or apologetic for for arriving late. He's just kind of there going through the motions. And I think that's what sells how boring he is as a character. He seems bored with himself. Right. I think it's a real a real miss on the writing of him. Like we've got Kai Wynn advocating for a specific position and Chikar just nothing for a nothing position. Yeah, I mean, Shikar was set up to be the counterpoint to Kai Wynn. And and it would be so interesting if he was, like, really different from her, but also had major disagreements with Cisco or something. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of potential in that character. In a show with 40 episodes a season, like, you, you need as many <laughs> conflicts as you can get, I think. Yeah. It's weird to uh, to cul-de-sac him the way that they've done. So Odo puts uh, his baby in a beverage glass and takes it to Quark's. I wasn't sure if that was just to like so that the baby is undercover. Maybe that is, maybe there is some security <laughs> taking place. Nobody else knows that this is a baby. They just think he's got uh, another pint of ale as is his way. The thing about sticking a baby changeling into a beverage glass that you're doing is you're setting up a hilarious pratfall later. Yeah, why doesn't Worf take a sip and pronounce it delicious? It never pays this off. (laughs) It was comedy edging. Like throughout the episode, I'm like, "Well, well, certainly now someone is going to accidentally eat the baby. It is fucking infuriating. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. But he's, uh, what he's trying to do is kind of like show the baby around. Here's where I live. These are the kinds of people that live here. You know, Worf comes up and asks a question and then just leaves. I think that might be the only thing he gets to do in the episode. Constable, why are you talking to your beverage? Cut, print, check the gate, moving on. The wink and finger gun of comedy of Worf looking at his own drink, wondering if what's in the glass is <laughs> actually prune, ju- prune juice is, is pretty fun to me. Yeah. What do you make of Odo describing his environment the way that he is? Because he is injecting a kind of affection for the station that I don't think we've heard up until now. Is he trying to sell the baby changeling on on living there with him forever and that's his reason for being so positive about it? <laughs> Because this is Alec also... Baldwin is like, put that glass of Changeling down. Changeling is for closers only. Yeah, because this is a character up until now who has sort of like dutifully lived there, begrudgingly befriended people. He's neutral most of the time about his circumstances. Yeah, he is coming from an interesting place in in that respect. Like he doesn't seem to have any higher ambition than being the constable of Deep Space Nine. I guess his like main character motivation is wanting to make Kira his girlfriend. You know what kind of makes sense is like that thing that happens when a lonely person gets a pet or or babysits a, a nephew or something for the first time. It just sort of unlocks a personality that that a person yeah. doesn't know is there. And there's this like goose eyed manner that Odo has for this <laughs> 
this baby changeling that really changes him. Yes, there's goose-eyed manner, Adam. You get the fucking dings. You love it. <laughs> All I write down in my notes are titles. <laughs> Maybe that's why I never get them, because I don't think to I don't think to pre-write jokes like that. I just try and be funny in the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. I try and I fail. <laughs> You're jet lagged. Yeah, still jet lagged. Enter Dr. Mora. Oh, no. He is observing this with the same incredulity as you and I are, I think. He's like, oh, that's cute. He's trying to do science, but he doesn't know what science is. Mora is also a real size freak. He uh, he, uh, is really blown away at, at, at what a honker this changeling is. A buddy of mine sent me a picture of the promo item that Boogie Nights gave away. When it was in theaters, Uh do you know what it was? No. A clear ruler. (laughs) I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of size freaks, that's what if you measure up to the Diggler. Where do you start the measurement for the goo, though? (laughs) Where's the base of the goo? Is my question. That's a good question. The end of the petri dish is where you have to start, right? Right. They do a lot of really fun framing tricks with the with the petri dishes and the goo in this episode. Yeah. I really liked how like clearly like they're they're swapping out one petri dish for another so that like a fairly stiff gelatinized substance can be traded for one that will pour from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they'll do like four or five swaps within a shot by just like having having Odo's hand go out of frame briefly and come back up with a different thing. Yeah. And uh, I thought that that was really nicely done. I think I think uh, you don't need to do it all in one shot, but it, it really adds to the sense that this is a somewhat magical substance. Yeah, it's some low-cost effects work here, and it works. So, you know, Mora comes into this to be the the father figure that Odo needs to reconcile himself with somewhat in order to become a competent father himself. But I think Mora is a piece of shit because the first thing that they start to talk about is like, hey, I heard you uh, stopped being able to change shape. Uh, That is real tough. I was really sorry to hear that. You couldn't send a card or anything, Mora? (laughs) This is the first you're talking to him about it? You know what? A card is just a reminder of how solid he is. <laughs> like you want to do is send something soft, right? Oh, yeah. Missing you. And it's like a lava lamp. Cross stitch it on a pillow. <laughs> yeah, Mora is really in a tough spot because Odo is treating him like an estranged father and Mora is there to do science. He sees yeah. this as an opportunity to do a couple things, to maybe correct the mistakes of the past in studying a new baby changeling and also uh, maybe correct a broken relationship with Odo. Yeah, I mean, Odo is really resistant to Mora's ministrations here because Mora did a lot of things that Odo considered to be hostile when he was a baby changey. It's weird that Odo doesn't see the similarity between like tough policing and tough love. There seems to be a parallel there that he just doesn't grasp. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, like, for all that, the relationship felt really realistic to me. 
Like if we're if we're gonna set aside the previous Mora encounter as non-canonical Mora, as non yeah, but like the the resentment he feels for the way he was parented, it feels authentic. And also, when you see it from Mora's side, you realize that Mora was doing the best he could with little to no information about how to proceed. And like once he realized that Odo was a sentient being, changed his strategy quite a bit. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get credit for that. Yeah, but both grievances are like are like valid given their perspective on it. Sure, I think. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that that was a really nice part of the episode. Is like it really helps you helps you see it from both sides. We go back to Kira occasionally in this episode, and her labor just keeps stopping. It's it's very frustrating for everyone involved. Traditional Bajoran birth, very slow and boring. Yeah, it's uh, you know, like any really like orthodox performance of a religious ritual. It's just it winds up really dragging forever and ever. Yeah, you really want to eat first. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe like uh, discreetly play a game on your iPhone or something. Right. In addition to the whole parent allegory, there is really an animal training allegory going on here too, right? The t- the two schools of thought being the Odo school of a food based or treat based. Yeah. way to train something and then only positive reinforcement and then Mora's rolled up a uh, newspaper way be still Cody yeah and so that is an interesting conflict that plays out here until a deadline is given and nothing spurs progress like a deadline right this is a, an angle that I thought that they could have explored a little bit more a la data deciding to have a child like Cisco comes in and says, hey, Starfleet is uh, is going to need daily updates, and if you guys don't demonstrate progress... Starfleet is going to want to take over the project. I was blown away that Odo was like, all right, <laughs> thanks for letting me know. I mean, I'd rather this thing not get kennel cough, but... <laughs> as long as you're making progress, there's nothing to worry about. Cisco's not in this episode very much, but he's in to just sort of throw a Molotov cocktail into a scene and then leave. What are you doing now? Exactly. This pivots the plan into the Mora way of doing things. Right, which is that occasionally you're going to have to like apply some negative reinforcement and and the form that that takes is they, you know, they have like a big petri dish and most of it is electrified but there's like a little spot in the center that is not and so this uh this light shock encourages the the goo to collect itself in the center. And they're they're like holding each other's hands and tearing up when it when it reacts to the shock and and goes and moves into the center and and I think that like this is the moment where they start to like really connect emotionally with each other right because they get to share in the success of this thing right I think it's super interesting that Mora makes Odo hold the cow poker you know like Odo's the right. guy that hits the button that makes the shock happen right it can't be Mora again. And that's the thing that creates this bond between them. It has to be that way, right? Yeah, it's uh, deft on Mora's part to 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 take that step back. He keeps himself like it. Like they're gonna do stuff that he learned how to do uh, back when he was 
figuring out what Odo was, but he's still just there to observe and advise. Right. The experiments, as they go on, succeed at a rate faster than what Moro was able to do with Odo. And this injects another bit of conflict between them because Odo starts to feel uh, what seems like envy for the little changeling's progress. Right. As like the more that Mora gets excited about <laughs> how quickly it's adapting. Yeah. Odo's like, well, I'm pretty cool too. I mean, at least I was. Yeah. So setting himself up for another kind of bad parenting, which is the the parent that resents the brilliance of their child. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, what a fun kind of parent to have, right? Feels good. Uh, Shakar and O'Brien are starting to get uh, into a bit of a conflict because Shakar keeps on like walking in on Chief O'Brien giving his girlfriend a foot rub <laughs> or whatever. And that's, uh, you know, he's not he's not really down with that. To the this degree the first... that Shakar can show any kind of emotion at all, it appears as though he's uh, mildly irritated by this, <laughs> by this scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And he shows that through, like, manhandling Kira. The director's like, Shikar, so uh, you're at a one right now. I need you to, like, at least give me a two. And he gives him a point five yeah. instead. And welcome you into the world. But yeah, she's uh, she's going to go into labor, Adam. She's at fully relaxed. Things are just going to slide out now. Speaking of things sliding, the, uh, the most exciting scene for Odo is when he and Mora are about to you know, walk out of the room and, and go have a chat when they turn around and they see that this little changeling has uh, has turned into kind of a wormy shape and it's trying its derndest to make a face on the end of that worm. Yeah. A very touching moment, very uh, the abyss moment. Right. This was one of those effects that they didn't have the budget for. And so one of the effects guys just like, pulled a stocking over his face and covered himself with Vaseline and they shot it and then they comped it in. Like it was at one time going to be totally digital and they're like, well, we could try this thing and it totally worked. It looks good. Nicely done. I thought that the, uh, like both the digital effects and the physical effects in this were great. Like they, they had so many different like textures of goo, like letting it like slump out of, out of containers and, you know, like. Like the uh, the cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving effect. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was, fun. It was really it was really good. They showed a lot of restraint by not making that super long farting sound of <laughs> of a of a barely set Jello coming out of a form. Right. <laughs> That's just for the crew that they show later for laughs. Right. They uh, but but Mora and Odo are just giddy with how excited they are about this and. Odo, uh, as a workaholic, demonstrates his excitement by rushing back to his office and trying to get some security work done. Yeah. And Mora's like, dude, knock it off. Like, this is going great. Let's uh, let's go have a drink and celebrate. Two glasses of champagne, please. But this is the conversation where they kind of start to understand where each other was coming from when the, the conflict all arose, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is a kind of conversation that grown kids can occasionally have with their parents, that that tough love conversation right? in an attempt to create an understanding. And alcohol often makes that conversation possible the way it does here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Odo can kind of see now how with just a 
a jar full of goo that he knew nothing about. Mora tried a lot of things, and many of those things wound up being mistakes. Yeah. But they kind of formed in him a a very forbidding personality. I think Odo was going to resent anyone, right? Yeah. Do you get the feeling that that's the point? Like, Mora could have been the most kind or the most cruel, and it's Odo's personality that that just makes him the way he is. Yeah, it's a it's a nature versus nurture nurture issue and it's like you can't separate the variables. Yeah, interrogating that. I mean, do you think Odo had a fully formed personality when when he arrived in the beaker or was it more as experimentations that created that? Yeah. I think I'm of the camp that he already had the personality. Hmm. Mora definitely seems to believe that if he had been slightly more cautious Odo wouldn't have been such an asshole when he grew up yeah so yeah they have a lot of uh like they they share a lot of their favorite memories and many of those memories are reactions that Odo had to Mora's experiments that involve like slapping his hand away from a cattle prod or right or breaking stuff and in his office you know the good old days yeah uh back to Casa de O'Brien, Kira is in full labor and Shakara is being a huge dick to Miles. Uh, he does not want to grant Miles O'Brien access to territory below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> and Shakar also is acting like O'Brien wanted this. Like he wanted his baby inside his girlfriend. And my question for you is, is Shakar literally clueless or is he just like, being an idiot, clueless. Oh, do me a favor. Next time you have a baby, leave my girlfriend out of it, huh? Like, he knows the story of why the baby's in Kira, right? How could he possibly resent Miles O'Brien for this? I was trying to think of if we have seen Shakar since this, the baby was beamed into Kira storyline <laughs> Someone needs started. to catch him up if he doesn't know. <laughs> Wait, so, uh, so Would Kira's she... pregnant. What happened, babe? She spent some time visiting him on Bajor, right? I mean, he's oblivious, but he had to notice yeah. the bump. Right. And the sneezing. Yeah. I just wish that they'd like written it a little funnier. You know, like O'Brien's like, I've been helping her into the tub for months. I've seen everything. Everything. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, I feel like... O'Brien could have pushed back more forcefully and it would have been his right to do. He yeah. has been a great caretaker for her. Yeah, but uh, she kicks both of them out of the delivery room and I was really excited for O'Brien misses both of his children's birth <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a new character element. As an ongoing way to punish Miles O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. Like he he is the he is the Bill Dotrieve of this show, you know. He's he's there to be a punching bag, and yeah. uh, and sad sadly they uh, they let him back in just in time for the right. uh, for the baby to come out, and uh, it's kind of like simultaneous that the O'Brien baby is born healthy and beautiful, as the uh, computer alerts Odo that uh, that something is amiss with. Uh, with his unknown sample. Computer to security chief Odo, please acknowledge. Go ahead. We kind of cross cut between gooey babies, don't we? We sure do. It's gooey babies all the way down, Adam. Yeah. 
pretty realistic looking newborn. Like the, what you get in TV in the late nineties is like very big newborns. And this right. is one of them certainly, but a uh, fair amount of goo yeah. on the kid looks good. A, a good, a good looking kind of goo. It doesn't look just like, uh, you know, <laughs> raspberry syrup or whatever. This child actor uh, gets his very first full frontal nude scene also. <laughs> yeah, you get paid extra for that. Yeah, he's like the Nirvana baby. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the infirmary, Odo is uh, saying goodbye to his now uh, now blue baby. And uh, he decides to do this by pouring it into his cupped hands. And, you know, as he's pleading with this baby not to give up the ghost it just like it just like absorbs right into his skin it looks like it should feel away right but the read on odo's face is one of grief and loss and not that like something has happened to him physically right yeah it's like a it's like a whoa where'd it go yeah yeah and then something happens to him physically yeah he does magic hands to yeah. Dr. Mora and Bashir. <laughs> yeah, he shows that there's nothing up either sleeve. <laughs> Bashir spits it out. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, David Blaine. <laughs> Pretty uh, awesome moment. Yeah, because Odo then pushes them aside, goes to the exit, his clothes uh, slump on the floor, and out flies... A uh, a bird of prey. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's got his changing his his uh, shape shifting ability back. It would have been fun for Odo to just stand there and awkwardly like physically take off his clothes before walking out of the infirmary. <laughs> yeah. this, this belt is always the toughest part. Hold on, hold <laughs> just just hold on right there. This is gonna be my, great. My somewhat misshapen fingers always struggle with these little fiddly bits. My hands are kind of numb. I don't know if you noticed that changeling just sort of disappeared into them. There was some discussion earlier that there was like a, a zero G uh, trapeze performance or something going on in the uh-huh. in the promenade, and I thought it would have been really fun if this bird had flown out and then just like run right into a trapeze artist <laughs> swinging from the ceiling. <laughs> totally Fabio's uh, yeah. the trapeze artist's face. I also thought it would have been really nice if uh, if Change Leader had shown up and and been like, "Damn it, this is terrible, Odo, because we hate you and we want you to be sad." This is a momentous situation here. Yeah, it's just like, uh, hey, remember when we took this uh, this character's like main interesting thing about him away? Uh, it's, it's back now. Yeah, that's really the thing, isn't it? It feels it. It does not feel like uh, he got it back on terms that are commensurate with the way it was taken away. Hard agree. And in Odo's case, soft agree. <laughs> yeah. Odo gone gold. Morn, morn, morn. Dear, sweet, morn, morn, morn. You near, buddy? Morn, stop. Hammer time. The button on the episode is Shikara and Kira walking to the transport in a way that uh, betrays no affection whatsoever between them. Yeah. He, like, invites her to Bejor for coffee, and she turns mm-hmm. it down. And then, <laughs> and then as soon as he leaves, he's like, he didn't mean coffee. I'm an idiot Coffee isn't coffee, coffee is sex (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, when she turns him down, you really get the sense of their distance, you know? Like, if they really cared a lot about each other, I think that's an invitation she would have accepted. Is the relationship even plausible at this point? It doesn't seem like that's the case. But she is clearly disturbed by uh, other things, and those other things are what she discusses with Odo, because Odo and Mora take a similar walk. Yeah, and and I think conversely, Odo and Mora's final conversation is extremely cathartic and heartfelt. Yeah, that's what this episode does. It, I mean, it's we're we're seeing a lot of things back to back that we're meant to compare. Right. They're uh, they're equal and opposite emotionally. Right, and uh, and Mora is making the case that this changeling's final wish was maybe for Odo to get back what he lost. I felt like this scene went a long way toward bringing impact to Odo getting his ability back that felt lacking the moment it happened. Mm. And uh, and it and it is really touching. Like they share an embrace at the end and like Odo like tilts his head down and puts it on Mora's shoulder and I thought that was, uh, it was really sweet. I thought this scene and their moment at the end was the highlight of the episode. I thought yeah. it was so well written and well acted. It it was surprisingly so. Yeah. And a wonder where the camera pans away as Mora walks out and Kira walks in and expresses really deep regret that she is not going to be the mother of the baby she just delivered. Yeah, she's lost something here. And she confides that with Odo, and and the, and their loss is very similar. Yeah. You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. Do we feel similarly about the episode, though, Ben? Uh, you know, this is one of those episodes that, like, the last two and a half minutes felt redemptive yeah. of an episode that didn't seem that good up until then. Yeah. There's a lot I liked about it. Like, I think that Rene Aubergenois' performance is really great, and his approach to monologuing to a bowl full of goo was excellent, I thought. Yeah. But the whole baby delivery storyline was was very silly and and light and and that Shakar stuff is is really dragging on that storyline, I think. Uh I read this is the last Shakar episode, if that wow. gives you any solace. I mean I think that that bespeaks some wisdom on the part of the showrunner, like seeing that that just isn't working and not trying to salvage it, you know, just cut your losses. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to use him, get rid of him. Like, right. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Clearly, they don't see his character as a value add yeah. or the actor's um, off to take another job. Like any number of things could be going on. So I think that like... This ep- episode pulled up right at the end and kind of kind of redeemed itself, and uh, and I I think I came away liking it. I think that's really well said by you. The challenge of acting across from goo for any actor, I think, is tough. That kind of monologuing, and especially yeah. when we're getting it from a character who does not display emotion in the way that Odo does in those scenes. I don't know whether that presents less of a challenge or more of a challenge for Rene Abergenois, you know? Right. I 
really wonder a lot about what it was like for Nana Visitor to have just given birth and also express the feelings that many new mothers have about like in the aftermath of that and what must be going through her mind about like what an emotional challenge surrogacy must be like for an actor who is as intense as she is. Right. I wonder what's going on behind her eyes, you know? Yeah. She has a, a, some very recent stuff to draw on. And I think that that really comes through. Like she's, a great actor all the time, but her performance in this just seems like really spectacularly great. And restrained, you know? And that's what makes yeah. me wonder about her. Like, you know, she can throw the fastball, but she's taken something off of it here in the scene with Odo at the end, especially. Like, it's it's yeah. subtle. I think that that subtlety is, like, really smart, though. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got someone like her, I think I think you have to dial it back sometimes so that you can appreciate the moments where she really goes for it yeah um i think when i think of this episode though i am going to think about how that storyline with odo was bungled his journey from being a changeling to a solid to a changeling again was such that like we never felt the true depth of his loss and so when he is able to gain it back at the end i never felt the true elation of that moment like he's an eagle and like, what's the one thing that flying is supposed to transmit to you emotionally? It's supposed to be incredible and and fill you with awe and joy and wonder. But, like, not having gone all the way down with him, like, I can't get all the way up with him either at the end of this episode. And so what I... It made me sad that we weren't permitted to get all the way sad for him and and it stopped me from getting all the way happy for him at the end. Like... Stakes equal feelings for me and my ability to have them. And without the stakes being as high as they could have been, it, it was just, it was enjoyable, but it, I, but it could have been like a real stomach punch and it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, well, do you want to uh, see if we get any stung, stomach punches in the priority one inbox? Yeah, let's step Adam. into the stomach punch machine. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income. Supplemental yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of P1s here. The first is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. I love your show, and I'm very sad that this might mean in two years I will have to watch Voyager. There must be another way. And the call to action is, Voyager is 172 episodes. This person just wrote in that they're sad about a direction our our show might take in two years. <laughs> Why didn't you just take two hundred dollars, go outside, and like set it down on the sidewalk and light it on fire? Hey, I'm I'm grateful for the two hundred dollars. Oh, I am too. I'm just saying, like, uh, we're not going to get guilt tripped into doing a different thing. I mean, it's it's some food for thought. Let's not dismiss this entirely, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do Voyager. I like Voyager. And I think this is something to consider. I stan Voyager, Adam. You know what? If you want to sit in your room and listen to pan flute tracks all day, you can just do that on your own time. You don't have to involve me in it. This is a Voyager stan account. Oh, jeez. Look, we have two years to decide. So I, I say we cliffhanger this. Wow. 
and uh, and just see what happens in two years. We could be in yeah. a very different place in two years, Ben. That's true. We could hate each other's guts. It's It seems more likely uh, by the day. I just wonder who this was. Oh, you think it's a familiar? I don't know. I mean, it seems possible. Uh, which one is my camera? Is this my camera? Identify yeah. yourself. <laughs> Commercial P1 yeah. message center. Yeah, and, and identify yourself via a commercial P1. Yeah. Or or we're not running it. Yeah. There you go. This is a real hostage situation, Ben. Yeah. This got very yes. intense. Yeah. Stand publicly by your words or or say them not at all. I'm a hostage, Stan. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is for Grant, and it is from Phil. Oh. I don't think these are my Grant and my Phil. I've got two good friends named Grant and Phil. Haven't we come across Grant and Phil before? Yeah, I think so. Well, here's their message. Thanks for being my best man. Without your help, Whoa. I couldn't have gotten all the isolinear chips in order for this voyage. Your speech <laughs> was smooth as Riker and wise as Guinan. I promise to be an honorable godfather to your second child, the boy. They will grow to master both the Batleth and the rules of acquisition. Wow. Your drunk Shimoda... Phil. Fun. That's like a left brain, right brain thing, right? The Batleth and the rules of acquisition. Also, uh, good on you, Grant, for having a good wedding speech. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. And it feels great to pull that off somehow. Yeah, I was at a wedding, not the most recent wedding, but the wedding before that I was at. (laughs) One of the people that did a speech was asked to leave the wedding. The speech was so bad. Oh, man. I'm just getting the chills <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah, like got up to uh, to to do a speech at, at the uh, at the wedding reception was like a a house full of dropped jaws as as the speech proceeded, and then was not around any any longer after that. And I found out later that it was because the groom had asked them to leave the wedding. Uh, under most circumstances, these speeches occurred during the plated dinner portion. Uh, yeah. So did this person get up, make their speech, and then leave during dinner, leaving their plate and glass behind at at the table, like, to um, remind I everyone think... that they're gone? <laughs> I, I, I think that... Uh... They kind of they kind of did the speeches like toward the end of dinner, so I I didn't notice immediately that this person was gone. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, has to leave. That is some cold shit. But also yeah. right, <laughs> you're not supposed to fuck up one of those speeches. Yeah, no, like you should you should run it by someone ahead of time and make sure that uh, they think it's a good idea. A wedding speech is not a time to get experimental. No, play to your strengths and be a little bit funny, but mostly just be heartfelt and congratulatory. Yeah, guess what? Uh, the only thing you can make fun of is yourself at a wedding speech. Yes. Well, Adam, uh, you can't get asked to leave a wedding for a, a, a priority one message, so we hope uh, people will head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron or maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. I think both work now. Right. And uh, and uh, order order a P1. Or a bucks for maxfunkenstein.sex Does that go no, to the same place? that's just the donation to... page now. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, order yourself a, a personal message for 100 bucks, a commercial message for 200 bucks, or uh, reveal your identity for 200 bucks. Yeah, fair price. 
All of which go a long way towards the ongoing production of this great show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Yeah, uh, it's Shikar. He went from being a really interesting and cool character into a fucking dope. And this was a bad way for him to go out. Yeah. I don't lay this at the feet of the actor who plays Shikar whatsoever because we know what he's capable of. He's a pre- yeah. I think he's a pretty cool dude. But He seems good. Uh, I wish he had just gone out in a hail of phaser fire or something. <laughs> or or like a transporter accident that reduced him into a mist. Like Yeah, or like got assimilated by the Borgs. Something like really intense. I know we're going to hear about what happened to him and he will leave off camera. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's too bad. Like, when Kira really cares about a person or a thing, I think whenever that person or thing goes away, they should be given the gift of, like, a proper send-off. Right. You want him lying on the ground, coughing up blood while she uh, leans over him, weeping. couldn't you just see it? I mean, that's when we we met them both at that farmhouse on Bajor, like, that's what the promise was. Mouthful of blood. Yeah, that's what that character was set up to do. Yeah, he was he was meant to get kicked by a Bajoran mule <laughs> and dying in a crumpled heap outside his farm. What about you, Ben? Who's your drunk Shimoda? My drunk Shimoda is Dr. Mora for not sending that card when he heard about Odo <laughs> losing his shape-shifting ability. It's easy to send a card. Yeah. You know? Like, it seems like a hassle. Oh, I got to go down to the Walgreens and get a... <laughs> Get a hallmark. Just make it happen. It'll take five minutes. And then that person knows that you're thinking about them and you care about them. It's fun to send cards. And it doesn't have to be that hard. You know what you do? You buy a stack of cards without an occasion to send them. And then when the occasion arises, you get get your blanks. That's what you do. Life pro tip. Then you're ready to go with a card. You can make a person's day by sending them a card. And not just an old person either. People of all ages appreciate getting a card. Yeah. It's nice to get a card. Send a card. Gotta get that, get that gold press action. Get that, get that gold press action. Am I right? Am I right? Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. 
With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode of this great program, Ben? The next episode is season five, episode 13 for the uniform. Cisco risks everything to capture a former crew member who deceived him and joined the Maquis. Sounds like a uh, fun Cal Hudson episode, Ben. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. Why don't we see where we are going to wear our comm badges while reporting on it? The only way to know that is by going to gok.biz slash game and consulting the game of buttholes will of the prophets. That's true, Adam. Currently we are on square 37. And I think that this is one of those rare squares on the board where no matter what we roll, we are going to have a normal episode. So very little uh, in the way of suspense. Wow. As I, as I roll this bone. All right. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. But I'm going to roll it anyways because we got we to gotta advance the game piece. Those are the rules. We didn't oh, make them. Go- no, I didn't. I, I, I just do what I am told. No matter what the horrible consequences are. All right, here we go. 
And I have rolled a four, so we are on square 41. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which, uh, for the next time, puts us in range of a Coco No-No. You know what I noticed for the first time? Uh, the, hmm. the runabout turns around when you reach the end of a, of a row. That's nice. Yeah, they did a really nice, nice job setting this website up for us. I like that too. I like how it sort of pulses. Yeah, it it makes it a little easier to spot now that it's uh, slightly animated. This is really well done. Yeah, classy operation over there at Game of Buttholes. The will of the prophets. Way better done than this stupid show. Here we are. Here we are, almost to episode 5,000. With uh, yeah. just 4,000 more ups before we start Voyager. Yep. <laughs> yeah, much to one anonymous person's chagrin. <laughs> uh, but uh, but we have some thank yous to, uh, to give out. First and foremost, we should thank the Friends of DeSoto who contribute to the production of the program by donating at MaximumFun.org slash donate. We hugely appreciate all of the generous support. It has uh, it has made this into a, a professional pursuit for us, if not a professional operation. That's right. Uh, <laughs> support for the show also comes from seeing us at live shows and uh, and buying some merch. We've got T-shirts and hoodies and glasses, yeah. all sorts of things at the Max Fun Store, and also. Uh, we are on tour right now. If you're listening to the show on the day of its release, uh, we're going to be in yeah. Portland tonight. Portland, Oregon. Whoa. Head to greatestgentour.com. And, uh, uh, you know, I would imagine Portland would have sold out by now, but I have no way, way of knowing for sure. Yeah. No idea. Uh, if Portland is sold out, buy a ticket to one of our other shows happening throughout the year that potentially aren't sold out. Use the hashtag GreatestGen to talk about the show online. There are social networks of all kinds for this show. Uh, Bill Tilly is on almost all of them posting his hilarious custom trading cards for each episode. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. Bill Tilly, truly the Eddington of the greatest generation. What? <laughs> I'm waiting for the double cross, Ben. Whoa. Nothing would shock me more than if Bill double-crossed us. I know. Wouldn't it? I would never see it coming. Yeah. Never. I I would never trust again. No. I would never love again or trust again. No more friends. If Bill double-crossed us, I wouldn't know what to believe, so I would just be adrift in the universe. Yeah. I think the only person with the power to end the show is Bill Tilly with that kind of (laughs) double-cross. You and I couldn't be friends. No. Yeah, we would we would lose trust in each other. Wow. Stakes are high. Yeah. Real high. Bill, please don't ruin the show. <laughs> and on that note, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that risks everything for a bit. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.